Welcome back to the 22nd episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. Today's guest, Ann O'Neill, began her basketball career in Rapid City, Iowa. Her sights were not always set on basketball, though. I was always a very curious kid, so I would ride mountain bikes throughout the neighborhood. I would like ride down to the river and just kind of play by myself down there. Um, my, basically, my first love was actually soccer. And so I ended up playing in third grade with like a um, Olympic development team, but it was made full of boys. So I played soccer with boys nonstop, even traveling teams. And again, I grew up in Iowa. So I would travel to Peoria, Illinois and Bloomington, Illinois um, with, with this all guys soccer team. And that's all I really kind of knew. And that was about three days a week of practice and then weekend games. So it was my first love. And then I, and then I was introduced a little bit more into basketball where I was able to play on an all girls traveling team as well. And it just started to be a lot where, you know, I was practicing four or five days a week, um, for different sports. And I was, again, only third or fourth grade. And my parents were kind of looking at like, Hey, we can't keep this up all these days for so long. And I actually kind of chose basketball. It just seemed like there were a lot more opportunities at that time to play basketball, whether it be in high school or in college all the way up. So that's how I kind of actually ended up playing basketball, but I had so many interests throughout, you know, whether it even be astrology, I'd go to do star camps and, you know, horseback riding camps. So anything I get my hands on, I dove right in and I was just extremely curious and wanted to see like what everything was about, just kind of immerse myself in, into different activities. A then 5'6 O'Neill played AAU basketball, even playing in the AAU National Championship. To put this success in perspective, she was in middle school at the time. Shortly after that, I, you know, in the sixth grade, I received my first um, collegiate division one letter for recruiting. So I was 11 or 12 years old at that time. Um, and my gym teacher gave me this letter. Um, so they were kind of right back to back between the, the national you know, tournament, AAU tournament, and then receiving my very first recruitment letter. And I just at that point, I remember walking to my locker and opening it up in my locker and seeing like that they had seen me play. And they wanted me to, you know, possibly consider their university in the future. It was the University of Northern Iowa. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. So that opportunity just kind of set like my goals so much further up for me. And so I was really able to kind of set my dreams in place from that moment forward and where basketball just wasn't a fun activity. It was something I was really inspired by to like be the best at. When O'Neill got to high school, she set the Iowa State scoring record. She became the first freshman in the state's basketball history to win this award. She also set 21 additional school records. She was making a name for herself across the country as well, and the summer AAU games only helped solidify her name on the lips of college coaching staffs. During those summer tournaments, you know, there I played in front of a lot of um, college coaches, a lot of, um, you know, like Pat Summit, Gino Ariyama, you know, all these college coaches come to watch these AAU tournaments, you know, playing at the Nike camp, there's all these scouts. And so every time we'd play th throughout the summer, you'd have people watching you. So yes, all the letters did start flowing in. And uh, it was just a really great opportunity to look and kind of create your future of what you really wanted to do and what school you wanted to go to. I'm not quite sure on the number of, uh, of co collegiate programs, you know, my parents ended up keeping all of the different letters that would come in, um, the uh, 
different playbooks, program, uh, media coverage, whatever it was that was sent to the house, you know, there were Rubbermaids full of those. But I was able to, you know, narrow down. I had posters all over my wall of, you know, different players and programs um, that I wanted to, to be at. So I was able to narrow my focus down to five schools. So when you're a senior in high school, you get um, five official visits to universities. And I think my final five were um, Illinois, Iowa State, Duke, Purdue, and Stanford. So I was able to go out for five different weekends, um, you know, go and see their program, visit their campus for 48 hours, and hang out with the players there. So those were my final five. And out of those five, I, I did end up choosing the University of Illinois. And that was um, where I played for my very first freshman year. At the University of Illinois, O'Neill was quickly named to the Big Ten Conference All-Freshman First Team and averaged 11.1 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 2 assists per game. She also started all but two games in 2000. Even still, the University of Illinois didn't feel like her collegiate home. What ended up happening that freshman year is we had the second best recruiting class in the nation, um, but we just weren't able to gel as, as good as we possibly could. So um, during that year, I actually, I used to be a jump shooter, I should say. So I shot a lot of jump shots, three pointers. I would come off the ground like Michael Jordan, if you ever see him. And they, the coaching staff there really wanted me to be a set shooter. And it was just such a change of fundamentals for me in all of the years I had practiced. And so when I ended up transferring, I actually couldn't shoot a three-point shot. I know that's hard to believe, you know, considering all, all of the years that you put in. But just mentally, I just couldn't shoot the basketball anymore because I was looking between a set shot and a jump shot. And I just, you know, mentally couldn't quite get it there. The team didn't gel that year either. So there was many of us that actually ended up um, transferring out of the program. And I did transfer as well. So I went to Iowa State University which, you know, is in Ames, Iowa. I loved the experience. And one of the reasons why I chose that program is because out of all of the women's basketball programs, they had the third best um, attendance. And so if you think of UConn women's basketball or Tennessee, University of Tennessee women's basketball, they have these, they play in front of 10,000 or 15,000 fans. And that's what Iowa State had is 10,000 fans. And after all of those hours that you put in to playing basketball, you want to actually perform in front of people and have people um, see you play. So that's where I ended up um, going to Iowa State. Um, that year, I had to sit out. That was still part of the NCAA rules at that time, which they've just kind of switched over in the last couple of years. But I sat out that year. That year, I actually ended up tearing my ACL. So there was a couple of hurdles for me to get through. So between the torn ACL and really trying to mentally get back my jump shot from the three-point line was kind of a three-year process for me that um, finally I was really able to overcome my junior and senior year. So that's a little bit of insight there. While O'Neill spent time fine-tuning her shot, the Big 12 Conference was busy awarding her the Big 12 Player of the Week, all Big 12 Academic and Athletic First Team, and honorable mention honors. And ESPN, the WBCA, and the Associated Press all placed her on the All-America First Team her senior year. At one point, she led the entire nation in three-point percentages. She finished her time as a Cyclone with 1,186 points, 461 rebounds, and as the 2005 Iowa State Female Athlete of the Year. While the accolades poured in, O'Neill's sights focused on professional basketball. 
I mean, even when I was growing up in high school, I was looking at players that were in the ABL, which was before the WNBA. So it was still somewhat new, um, but just still such a dream. So I had that great dream senior season for myself and the team, you know, just such great success to be able to make the NCAA tournament, which was a, a goal of all of my teammates and I. And then um, I got the call that I was drafted 30th um, by the Sacramento Monarchs, which for the most part, they really liked that because I was such a great shooter. And I had to giggle to myself about how many hours that took and how much, you know, change of a mindset that was, you know, the last couple of years at Iowa State to be able to to shift um, my shot. And so when I uh, was drafted, I actually was still injured. I had um, a stress fracture in my ankle, which kind of dated back to a torn ACL and then a torn plantar fasciitis and then um, other injuries. So it's just part of the game, you know, to overcome. So I wasn't able to participate that year, um, but I came back the second year and was able to, you know, participate and, you know, played um, oh, many cool venues like Madison Square Garden, which was just a dream to be, you know, I grew up watching so many NBA players play there. So to be able to like have some great moments like that, it was just a dream come true. And to be able to see where it's evolved to now, and the respect and the you know television that everybody's getting um, between women's sports, it's so profound. And I think it's only just the beginning. When the Sacramento Monarchs drafted O'Neal 30th overall in the third round, she thought that her dreams had finally come to fruition. But not so fast. The pesky injuries of her past resurfaced and plagued her professional career. After only two years in the league and injuries that were not healing properly or quickly enough, the Sacramento Monarchs waved her. Suddenly, it was all over. O'Neill now was armed with degrees in communications and business from Iowa State, and a disappointing goodbye to her sport. She now attributes her determination and resolve to succeed to this part of her life. It's something that everyone goes through, you know? So since I've been about 11 years old, I was always an O'Neill basketball. And that stayed around for quite a while, and then it would be Ann O'Neill, Iowa State. And so, you know, the fact that I can do that now throughout my career is because I learned it without knowing what to do. So back when I finished playing, you know, even in the WNBA and Iowa State and, and finished coaching, I really had to look at like, who is Ann O'Neill without any of these titles? It's one of the biggest learning lessons I've had. I, just say, I shouldn't say lesson, I should say experiences to really be able to stand and start looking around. And so one of the experience I had is that I was somewhat of a one-dimensional person at that time. I loved basketball so much, and I loved the, the school. I loved team. I loved all of those things, but they all kind of fell into one dimension of who I was because it was Iowa State, whether it was athletics or whether it was basketball. So I really considered myself at that time a one-dimensional person. And once those go away, those titles you start seeing the world in color again. And I call it a 3D human. It's actually a, a, a name that I've trademarked because as a 3D human, you're looking and curious about everything, you know, almost back to those times when you are a kid and you're trying all the different sports and all the different um, outdoor activities that you can find. You're just constantly curious. And at the end of that basketball time was the space for me to start looking again of what was interesting. So at any point in our lives, 
I really believe there are things that we can get attached to, whether it is a title, especially in the business world and especially in the athletic world, you've always been something. And what does it look like when you are a bunch of different things and you're, you've brought yourself into being a 3D human with so many different interests and such a dynamic personality and charismatic way of living? It's a new life because anything really is possible with that mindset. This 3D human ideal became what O'Neill was driven by. She had a zest for learning and quickly realized that she was drawn to business ventures that created a fast-paced work environment similar to the atmosphere that basketball had always fostered. The end of middle school, the end of high school, the end of college, and then whatever the playing days are for any athlete after that are going to be capped. But what are all the other experiences and interests that you have? So for me, I played volleyball and soccer and so many different other interests, but they all kind of fell to the wayside as the, the my interest in basketball grew and grew. And for me, the one thing I'd look back, or if I have kids in the future, is really looking at, can t continue to look at that balance all the time. There's so many different skill sets that you can learn and pick up um, during your time of also being very committed to a sport or being very committed to a study, whatever that looks like. And then when that time comes, you kind of have things to lean back on and you have people or mentors. That probably would be one of the biggest areas of um, advice I'd give is, is really seeking out people that you might even just be kind of interested in, like, you know, whether it's oceanography of maybe being able to set up a Zoom and talking with somebody in that or journalism, I'm interested in that and, you know, talking to one of your trying to grab 10 or 15 minutes of your um, favorite journalists, and then just being able to be in contact with them where you have a network and you really kind of start piecing together like those puzzle pieces and a hologram almost. So not like a flat puzzle, but more of a hologram where things are again, 3D, you know how those, <laughs> some of those games you used to play when you're a kid and you really kind of get to start to build yourself up as a multi-dimensional 3D person that way. So whether it be scheduling time to take the interest and then also the time of reaching out because people have a lot of interesting stories out there that you can learn from. O'Neill acknowledges that leaving basketball, although heartbreaking, allowed her to reconfigure her dreams outside of sports. So after the WNBA, I worked um, in TV color commentary for a while. And I absolutely loved that because I was still close to the sport. And surprisingly, it gave me a whole new different perspective that I had never even really thought about. So as a player, you're out there playing the game. As a coach, you're out there kind of, you know, helping people figure out which way to go and making the strategy. And as the commentator, you're out there giving everyone a storyline and you're really kind of describing what's happening and also sharing the players and the coaches story out there. So I absolutely loved it. It was like a whole new, like third perspective of what sport really looked like. So I love that I've been able to have my hands in every little angle of athletics, which has been phenomenal. But at that point in time, I really looked around and I was like, I have done so much with basketball and I know a lot about basketball, but what do I want to learn next? Like what new skill set can I create and really kind of challenge myself with? And that's what I really looked at. And I looked into business. So I got into um, the medical world for a while. So medical sales. And then I was able to translate that, which was a super fun, very still goal oriented um, with an athletic mindset. You know, you have a quota by the end of the year and let's go and get it. And you've got a team of people that you're working with there too. 
And then the next piece I really looked at is I liked that idea, but waking up and selling medical devices just didn't inspire me. <laughs> Having people safe was inspiring, but the actual device and what I was talking about wasn't. And so then I um, really kind of looked at what I had already created between athletics and business. And then I got into consulting. And so what consulting was like was we still need high performance. We still need people to perform at a high level and work within teams. And it really blended my background of athletics and business and also that psychology mindset of creating a goal out there in the future and then make creating the steps to go get it. And that's really where I found my niche of being able to still have the passion from athletics and performance but working with teams and people and getting them all moving and aligned on the same goal at the same time. One of the constants in her reinvented goal setting is reverse engineering. So many times we create from what we already know and what we already know is the past, what we've always done, what we've eaten in the morning, the route that we take to work, uh, the schedule that we go by. It's all a pattern of past behavior. And why reverse engineering works, or I would say even creating from the future, is because you get to look at something in a new way that's completely a blank slate. And you even get to see yourself that way. And you get to fill in everything that you like. So what works for me is pointing out, like, like we just mentioned, whether it's three years down the line, I'm like, all right, here's Anne O'Neill in her sneakers in 2024. And I look back and I'm like, where do I want to live? Who are the people I want to hang out with? What are the skill sets I want to learn? Where, what would I, what city would I like to live in? And it even can get down into like very little goals. And like I said, it can even be um, in three weeks from now, I'm standing here. What have I accomplished? What books have I read? How, what kind of workouts did I do? Who did I hook up with and talk to on Zoom? You know, you can even do that in the short term. But what I love the most is the psychology behind it. It is not coming from the past where everything is a pattern of sameness. Sometimes I call it the same, same. I'm living the same, same. <laughs> but when you're out here and you're creating new and it's a blank slate, you have a blank canvas to paint any color of picture on. Sometimes they talk about it like that. There's a philosophy where you don't paint over a Mona Lisa, right? And that's what the Mona Lisa is already painted. That's in the past. But you start with a blank white canvas in the future and you can paint any kind of colors that you like and any kind of picture that you want for that future. So it's really kind of coming from the mindset and the mind frame of everything is new and everything is possible. So what can I build from that? Reverse engineering a goal means starting at success and working backward toward the first step. Think of a maze. Now begin from the end and work your way back through to the starting point. The path instantly becomes clearer. In the same way, great authors don't start novels without envisioning the final chapter. It's a process made easier with the end goal in sight. The, one of the common themes that I had throughout playing sports and business and just having a career and where I wanted to be in life was really kind of a, the methodology of reverse engineering. And so... There's an old story um, of the NASA engineers um, when Kennedy said, we're going to the space or we're going to go to the moon. And everybody in NASA is like, we don't know how to get to the moon. And so they had to figure out a brand new path for themselves. And instead of working with the materials that they already knew 
I mean, they did that for a while of trying to get to space. Well, they can't fly an airplane there. They actually said, okay, what if we're on the moon and we have to come back from the moon? We got to bring these men back, right? And so that's the kind of philosophy that I've really been able to do with my career in life is like, all right, I'm already out here two years in advance. I'm Ann O'Neill of 2024, 2025. And then I stand there and I look back and I start thinking about what are the skill sets I want to learn? Who are the people I want to be around? What impact do I want to have? And at that kind of methodology has really, really made a difference for me mapping out my career. Just like when I said I was kind of like, okay, I've done athletics, what's next? Is that methodology of standing out in the future and looking backwards to be able to create those next steps. You know, um, I had one of my own experiences where, you know, between the pandemic and COVID, I was actually let go from one of the consulting companies that had to cut about three-fourths of our um, staff at the time. And this was back in the fall. And I, at that time, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity to create another blank slate for myself. So instead of just jumping into the next opportunity or next consulting gig or whatever that looks like, you know, to be able to, which was great to have a job and a 401k and a title, because who are you without a title, you know, um, in this world? I really took a step back of really just being, okay, here's Ann again. I'm not Ann O'Neill basketball or Ann O'Neill consulting or Ann O'Neill, this business. I'm just Ann right now. And that's been a really big thing for me to learn of not attaching myself to too many titles because it really gives me the freedom to create newly. And so I was able to do that of being like, where do I want to be in 2023? And so I was able to um, find this job that still basically is all about a linguistic mindset and a psychology of consulting within the cybersecurity industry. And that's where I wanted to be as uh, it's definitely growing, <laughs> like the digital speed and cybersecurity in general is growing. Um, but without that time frame to let the dust settle and really stand in that space and start looking newly at things, I don't believe that uh, I would have had the path that I've had like throughout every little different career and different city that I've lived in without really saying, where do I wanna be? Prior to being able to put this process into words, O'Neill caught herself taking advantage of the reverse engineered success. On the court, she had practiced so many grueling hours up front and visualized everything so extensively that success was a feeling she was keenly aware of. The roadmap to winning stats became the blinders she donned when she stepped on the court. These principles have stayed with her to this day. You actually could tell if you were going to make the shot, I could, anyway, I'll speak for myself, the way that the ball would hit my hands before I would shoot it. That's how far, how many times you had done that. So you were just in kind of a reaction mode, but you already were three steps before your physical body. So that's almost what it looks like. And I went to the gym recently and caught myself in that experience. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what it looks like in real life. But this is what I used to do with basketballs. You know, you toss the ball, I could feel it in my hands and I knew if it was going to go in before I even shot the shot. So that was, you know, the, there's a neuroscience called um, Joe Dispenza and I study with him as in, I love his work. I'm actually going to an event of his in July in Denver, Colorado to really kind of hone in on the brain heart coherence and meditation, but it's, you know, neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more that you visualize, if you're an athlete, the ball going through the hoop, finishing the downhill ski, 
whatever that looks like. And as an athlete, and then as a human, you know, being that rock star CEO or being on the TED talk stage, whatever that looks like for you, but seeing it over and over again, and the confidence that is exudes the visualization of what you want for that future state, little by little, you start becoming it because your brain starts to create that future before you're actually living it. That kind of self-belief and understanding of the process toward goal fulfillment transcends sports. But it's an important lesson to take away from participation. Determination and the practice it requires to succeed are quintessential to sports. Vince Lombardi once said, quote, The will to win is not nearly so important as the will to prepare to win. That wraps up episode 22 of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. You can follow the podcast on social media at Closer Mental on Instagram and Twitter. You can also subscribe to Closer Mentality Uncensored on YouTube to listen to the unedited versions of the interviews with my guests. If you know of anyone who would be perfect as a guest on this show, send us a DM on Instagram. I'd love to speak with them. Next episode, I'll be back speaking with Natalie Allport, a snowboarder for Team Canada. But until then, I'll see you next week. Music